Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, you know things in America have gone off track when the two lead stories in politics are Donald Trump and the Confederate flag. Yeah, and I have mixed feelings about both of them. I wrote an editorial about Donald Trump and the current issue, uh, where I point out that probably if the Weekly Standard rated all the candidates for the Republican nomination, Trump would be right near the bottom, along with Rand Paul. We, we don't agree with him on some issues, and he really isn't probably temperamentally uh, suited to be president. Uh, on the other hand, it would be idiotic for Republican presidential candidates to ignore, I think, aspects of his message, which are clearly hit a chord, and which I think the other candidates are shying away from too much. They're too cautious. They're too timid. Uh, do you think that Donald Trump is sort of like a, if not a canary in a coal mine, maybe the uh, big-shoed clown in the coal mine? <laughs> He's a very big canary, right? Very colorful canary, I guess. Right. Canaries are colorful. Um, yeah, very much so. The kind of populist message, it's time for America to win the wars we fight. Let's take on the Chinese. Let's make, let's be, uh, his message, what struck me first, the reason I wrote the editorial is, his slogan for the campaign, it's, it's sort of uh, emblazoned all over the posters and the billboards he had up around him when he announced, is Make America Great Again. Reagan's slogan in 1980 was Let's Make America Great Again. I don't know if that's just, you know, an accident or if, or if Trump had come across that or someone in Trump's uh, employee had come across that. But I do think he's tapping into a certain kind of Reaganite desire to make America great, great. And a lot of the other candidates are sort of, you know, they have this reform idea and they have this criticism of Obama or Hillary Clinton. They're not really uh, putting it in a big enough, painting it in a, in, a, in a bold and bright enough way. And I think there they could learn something from Trump, the kind of populism uh, and uh, the, the boldness of the message. Um, I also think if, if he's not, if Republicans shy away from him, if they simply disdain him, um, you know, a lot of his supporters will be unhappy. He might decide to run as a third-party candidate. I was there in the White House in 92 when uh, Perot, Ross Perot, ran against Bush and Clinton, especially if we get a Bush-Clinton race, and it looks like the establishment, oh. the legacy candidates. I think it's a huge opening for, 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 for I almost said Perot, for Trump at that point to pull a Perot and really damage Republican uh, chances, among other things. So I think, um, I think incorporating as much as is responsible of Trump's message is the way to go, not, not disdain or contempt for him. Bill, if we go back to a Bush v. Clinton race with a fringe nut third party candidate pulling away from the Republican, I swear it's going to open a hole in the space time continuum. We're all going to be sucked in. That can't happen again, can it? You would think not, but you know, no one ever learns anything, and uh, I, I think it's unlikely. I think if there actually were a Bush Clinton race, there might be even more than one third party candidate. Right. But I, I do think both party establishments are just neglecting the degree of unhappiness with the political system, legitimate unhappiness mm-hmm. with political elites and other elites, business elites, cultural elites that are failing. They're not doing a good job for the country. And understandably, most of the candidates are going to come from those elites, or at least will have risen to those elites. That's that you have to do that to run for president. But then you have to be willing to criticize, you know, your peers in a sense. And they're just too timid, I think. Uh, um, certainly Hillary Clinton is unbelievably right. calculating and timid, and that's why there's resonance to Bernie Sanders. And on the Republican side, I like a lot of the candidates, uh, but I'm worried that they're being a little too, again, a little too business as usual. People don't want tweaks in government programs. They don't want, gee, let's have some little managerial experience to make sure the websites work better for government programs. They want pretty bold, I think, changes of direction. And I also think that they want someone who they perceive understands 
that America has enemies in the world. And it's not just, you know, the notion of terrorism as enemies, but rather that the interests of Russia, the interests of China are not our interests. And are you going to be on our side and fight for us shamelessly as Americans without any, well, America needs to know its place and maybe we've been too powerful and maybe we should apologize. I think that's something else that resonates with Don, from Donald Trump. I very much agree. And he, he's a little too simple-minded sometimes about it and all that, but but absolutely right. I mean, this kind of fantasy world of everyone getting along, if only we're nicer, um, or a kind of a cons- uh, libertarian, I'd say, fantasy world of, uh, well, if we, could, we can just withdraw, Trump really doesn't say either. But on both trade issues and military issues, he's for confronting our enemies. Again, I'm not sure on China that I, he, maybe he's too belligerent, maybe he'd blow up the whole world trade system for all I know. On the other hand, you, you watch what happens in some of these negotiations, and the idea that a guy who would argue that's tough you look at the iran negotiations you just can't believe right. it leaving aside almost the, the merits which are appalling just the spectacle of an american secretary of state sort of capitulating on one issue after another in this way is itself very damaging to america's standing in the world and kind of embarrassing if you're an american i will say the one thing that will linger from this podcast bill is you saying that donald trump was just a little too simple-minded He's a little simple-minded in the way that Bernie Sanders is slightly to the left. I'm, I'm sorry. But, hey, I, w- I want to ask you about the other, uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the other story in the news that's disturbing and kind of not what you'd expect politics to be about today in 2015. That is the Confederate flag, uh, the way South Carolina has cho- chosen to act on it, and also the argument that abandoning the Confederate flag or supporting taking it down is somehow makes you a liberal or you have abandoned your conservative principles, which is an argument I'm hearing quite a bit from the right these days. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I hate the left's uh, using of this tragedy to, uh, you know, politicize and, and go, at, to go after the Confederate flag when it's really an incidental, very bit part of the story, obviously, and then to try to make broader points about the modern South or about the Republican Party. I, 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 I dis, dislike all that intensely. And uh, I'll get back to that in a second. But I, I think on the merits, the, the Confederate flag shouldn't be flown, um, you know, on state capitals or on state capital grounds. Uh, people can fly it, obviously, in private, in uh, all kinds of private arenas or on appropriate memorial sites, perhaps. But uh, for soldiers, though even there, you don't need the flag, obviously. You can have a memorial site. Um, so I, I, John McCain called for taking down the, uh, the Confederate flag in South Carolina in 2000. I supported him. He then backed off, actually, but I've always thought it should be taken down. And if I were a South Carolina you know, legislator, I'd, I'd vote to do it. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Union guy. I'm a Lincoln guy. I'm a Ulysses <laughs> Grant guy. I'm even a Sherman guy. So I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm, I have pretty good credentials in, in being anti-Confederate. Um, having said that, the, the liberal posturing on it is, of course, sort of nauseating. And the people who are posturing are precisely the people, of course, who don't want to fight serious enemies. Uh, you know, when, when people are enslaved over in Iraq, Yazidis, by ISIS, it's the liberals who explain why we can't do anything about it. As a friend of mine pointed out the other day, all these posturing, preening liberals would have been copperheads during the Civil War. And for accommodation and ending the war, it's too much, it's bloody, and it's terrible, and can't we negotiate? And we can reach out, and let's send John Kerry down to Richmond to work with Jefferson Davis. So that would have been the liberal position. So... One could be very disdainful of the left while still thinking it's a matter of, you know, actual policy and practice. There's no need to have the Confederate flag flying on, on state capitol grounds. Well, as someone who grew up in South Carolina and was in Charleston when I started my talk radio career in 1999 and 2000 when the fight was going on, I was the only member of the conservative media saying, take the flag down. 
because of the, the what the flag had become, not in 1861, but rather in 1961, when it was the working symbol of segregation. You know, when Strom Thurmond ran as the Dixiecrat, he was waving the stars and bars, not by coincidence. And so that's where we are. But I think that there's a side of this that maybe outside the South people don't get, which is the flag of the many symbols that had messages it sends, one of which is overtly racist. There's also a message of telling people who want to tell you what to do to go take a hike. It is a flag middle finger, if you will, to the premise of all elites and everyone everywhere. Hey, I'm going to tell you how to run my life. And I think that just like the, you know, Trump is a, not a great vessel for a message. There is a message inside some of the grumpiness about getting rid of the flag that is, that I think people need to be, that would be smart for political people to be aware of. And once again, there's a discontent with the people who want to tell you how to live your life and run the state and who fail at both again and again. There is, I think, a stronger brand of just leave me the hell alone in the uh, Vox Populi, if you will, than there traditionally has been. And I think that's one reason, for example, that Rand Paul is doing better among a segment of Republicans. Those Republicans I don't think really existed a generation ago. Yeah, I think there's also a sentiment of, uh, you know, let me be proud of, of my country and, so, and my ancestors. I don't think people should be proud of the of Southern secession and, 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 of, and of certainly not of, of the peculiar way of life of slavery. On the other hand, I've noticed that some of the critics of the flag are now moving on to say that Lee Highway, for example, near, near me in Northern Virginia, should be renamed. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is ridiculous. There were admirable people, individuals, who led the Confederacy. They were Americans. They came back into America. They were, they, they, in Lee's case, he you know, founded a college and, and urged his, his followers to reconcile with America. So the idea that we're going to kind of go on a jihad now against anyone who's ever associated with the Confederacy or with the South or with segregation, for that matter, we could rename the Russell Office Building, which is one of sure. the main the most prestigious of the Senate office buildings, after, named after, you know, a very impressive and admirable U.S. senator who was, however, segregationist, Richard Russell of Georgia. That, that, then you're really in French Revolution territory. Then you're just rewriting history and sort of expunging whole parts of your national tradition. So I think get the flag down, but don't, don't become, you know, don't, don't, don't be ashamed of our own history. Don't be ashamed of admirable human beings who may have made some bad decisions uh, in the course of our history. Uh, and you're right, absolutely. The, 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 the disdain among not just conservative grassroots, but middle American grassroots and lots of people for the elites uh, who are telling them how to live their lives and who to like and what to say about different things and is, is very deep. But I think a, a successful conservative candidate, a successful Republican candidate will, will tap into that. And one last question I think it has to do, and to, to get us right back into politics, you could see Ryan's Priebus practically want to take Governor Nikki Haley in his arms and kiss her all us gone with the wind on stage. He was so happy that the state of South Carolina is getting this issue off the table for the uh, Republican presidential candidate, something that they've been stumbling over since the 1990s. Right, and who's and who is the governor of South Carolina that these bigoted Southern Confederate, you know, successors uh, elected an Indian American woman, and who's the uh, one of the two Republican senators from South Carolina, Tim Scott, an African American. So maybe the liberals should, you know, I mean, this disdain for Southerners and for the New South really needs to be taken on, taken head on. I think. But you do agree that this is a this is very good news for the Republican 
primary system going forward. South Carolina has been a problematic state. I don't understand how they got, you know, why the Republican Party let them go so early, quite frankly, Bill. If I were having grown up there, my, uh, the, the, the sentence from the Civil War is too small for a republic, too large for an insane asylum. I don't know why oh, South Carolina did. ever got to p- play a major role in this. I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you as a South Carolinian say that and defend that. But, but do you, um, do you agree no, with me that this is good news for outcome. the GOP? It's, it would be as, it, it's good news because it takes something out of the way and it lets us get back to what was looking like a really good debate for the Republican Party, good candidates, strong messages, and this just gets a, 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 a media problem and annoyance out of the way. Yeah, I think that's right. Great. Well, then, then we're done. Now that you said I'm right, I have nothing okay. else to ask you about. Bill Crystal, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Hey, my pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.